Welcome to Painting Corners, your weekly podcast for all things baseball. Now, here are your hosts, Austin Hartsfield and Dave Kwiatkowski. Uh, one of the weirdest signings of the offseason so far, in my opinion, and I think in your opinion too, was Garrett Richards. This is a guy coming off a of Tommy John surgery. What are your thoughts on that? We talked about bringing in veterans that were going to stunt the growth of these young pitchers. Is this the case here? Do you think with that, or what do you think about the signing? Yeah, the the signing was a little curious. Uh, you know, he's not going to pitch all of 2019, so I don't think he's going to necessarily stunt this evaluation period that the team's currently on. Um, great young pitcher. Well, not going to be young anymore, but decent upside, mid to top of the rotation type of pitcher. I, I, I don't know. It It's kind of head-scratching because, again, that comes back to Major League evaluation of talent, which kind of is a bugaboo for this team. Would anybody else really offer him that type of money, or was anybody else really in Garrett Richards ready to sign Market? him? I mean, like, yeah. I mean, usually a player like that would go a full offseason and next winter would have some demand, but I, I don't know. It's it's only money, right? It's only money, but it was money that you didn't have to spend this year. And I was like, he's not going to pitch the entirety of the season. Yeah. So you're just going to hand him $7 million? I mean... And this is a team that got burned by Josh Johnson twice, too. So I I, I don't know. I'm, I, I really don't know. I don't know what they're thinking. Again, their moves that they make with major league talented player or major league talent can be head scratching. Their their forte, their expertise is evaluating young players who people don't really know much about and and getting a good feel on them. Now, <laughs> I, I don't know what the excuse is. They, we got Dave Cameron now working in, from Fangrass working in the in the uh, front office now. I don't understand why. I, I don't know. I, I mean, it's it's tough to critique this move. Maybe he comes on in 2020 and has and has a great season for the team. But then you're looking at he's going to be a free agent. So you just bought him for potentially maybe he comes back. In, I, I, I really don't know. I, I don't have any any explanation for this other than uh, it's only money, right? Yeah, I mean, this is this. I mean, and we're, I'm going to say his name at least 20 more times before this is over. This is the same team that traded an injured Drew Pomerantz for pieces. <laughs> pieces yeah. like and shout out shout out to aj preller by the way because we talked about this garrett richards thing we're like why would he do this and then he's the same person that traded fernando tatis for james shields so yeah like yeah again but that's evaluating young players that not many people have information on and and being spot on 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 your judgment of them and there's some moves that he's made that just are just i don't know i don't want to say too much because i get in trouble but there's it it, it it's it's not an exact science. I mean, being a baseball general manager is not an exact science. There's one of the hardest things of mo- to do. Yeah, there's plenty of moves that every franchise has made that have been bad. So that's just the nature of the beast. As a fan, you're going to point out to things like that. And being a baseball GM is the hardest thing to do in sports, in my opinion, because you have so many players, so yes. many players, and you have to have information on everyone. I know that you yes. have a farm director, and I know you have all these assistants, but at the end of the day, it comes on your shoulders, and you have yeah. to make – you have to make sure that you're making the correct decision despite what the people around you are thinking. And when you have so many decisions to make, you're wound, you're, 
you're obviously going to mess up every now and then. I mean, the Red Sox went from Theo Epstein, who is considered to be one of the greatest GMs of all time, if not the best in the sport, to Ben Charrington. You know, I mean, you go yeah. from one extreme to the other. And then you have yeah. Dave Dombrowski, I mean, a guy who in his career has gone from one extreme to the other. But we'll go ahead and blow right past that one. Who who else fills out this rotation on opening day? It is just a mixed bag, and there's so much talent. Yeah, there is a lot of, a lot of left-handed talent uh, in the rotation for this team. I would think that Lauer, Lucchese, and Strom would all make the team in, in the starting rotation. Strom is probably a question mark at this point, uh, but he's had a an off season where he was able to work fully on his strength and his legs and stuff. Uh, he had some issues last season where he wasn't fully, uh, he wasn't, he didn't feel he was fully at full strength with his legs. Um, great young left-handed pitcher has a lot of ability, numerous amount of pitches, great secondary. Uh, those three are, are my prediction. There's also Jacob Nix. You have a Brett Kennedy. You have a Luis Perdomo. You have a Brian Mitchell. There's a lot of question marks. So I don't, I don't know what they're gonna do in that regard. A lot of them are young young pitchers you would think that at some point they're going to have to sign one pitcher who who can get to 180 190 200 innings just to take some pressure off of these young guys because i don't know if they want lauer and lucchese and those guys eclipsing the 200 inning mark at this point this early in their career when there's really no need to and then you have guys like paddock quantrill logan allen who are on the knocking on the door who could be up or should be up at, at some point in 2019 as well so there's a lot of uh, a lot of young players, a lot of young pitchers uh, to assess it with this team. And you know, you went through that whole like first minute without even mentioning Quantrill and guys like I mean, you didn't even have to mention. I mean, obviously Patino's far away, mm-hmm. but there's mm-hmm. just so many more names that we can't even mention because they're a little bit further away. Yeah, um, no, I mean it is. You look at Double A, and, and the the team has Baez, Morahone, uh, Markovicius, Reggie Lawson, Pedro Avila. Uh, lower than that in high A. Eleanor, wrote, Eleanor could like put out one of the best rotations that I've ever seen. Yes, Lake Elsinore has uh, Mackenzie Gore, Anderson Espinosa, Luis Patino, uh, Osvaldo Hernandez, and Aaron Leisher, a couple of left-handed pitchers who are unheralded that would easily be top 30, top 15 players in, in, in another team's uh, prospect list. But And then behind, behind that, you have Weathers, you have... Uh, uh, Mason Thompson, Omar Cruz. I mean, the, the list goes on and on with, with these young players, and it's pretty phenomenal. Uh, the, the Padres have 15 pitchers, starting pitchers, that should at least be major league pitchers at some point. I don't know whether or not they're going to be able to be successful or whether or not they're going to transition to the bullpen or what, but all of these names should at least at some point be given an opportunity to be a major league pitcher. I mean, when you're talking about Morahone at 20 years old and in, in pitching in double A, there's upside there, and, and he will get a chance eventually to, to, to pitch in the major league. So it's exciting. It, it really is. They're, it's It's pretty amazing for a team that had – just no prospect talent pool to, to, to name. I know that they were number one ranked in uh, 2012 or 13 or 14, something like that. But it just it didn't have the quality and the amount of depth that this system has right now, and it's 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 incredible. Yeah, and you know we talk about taking guys slow. We were talking about pushing the gas with guys like Fernando. Guys, seem they seem to kind of lay off the gas a little bit just because of his injury history. Is Chris Paddock? 
Yes. What is what is like the plan for Chris Paddock? Is he because I know he's not going to be up for a while. He's already 23 years old. He's a large human being, by the way. Very, very tall. Yeah. I'm five foot five, and I would not like to have to be like, uh, excuse me, sir. Like, can you answer my question? But <laughs> he, what is the deal for Chris Paddock? I mean, this is just such a crowded group. I mean, he. If we're if we're talking about pitchers, he's number five on uh, ESPNs for the entire Padre system. What makes him better? Do you think, in their eyes, than guys like Baez and Allen? It's just his overall makeup, everything. Well, first off, his changeup is is already major league quality. It's, it would already be all I've heard uh, is it's legendary. Yeah, it would it would probably be a top five, top ten changeup in all of baseball right now at this point, just in his changeup alone. Uh, his velocity has has increased slowly uh, after the injury. He's up to mid nineties now, and, and we all know that if you can spot a fastball and, and arm that with a changeup, you're you're pretty much unhittable. And, and then you look at his innings pitched last season. He had ninety innings pitched last season, and he walked eight batters. That's eight batters. Amazing. And he struck out 120 in that time. So it, his numbers are Bugs Bunny-like. There's a lot to like with him. There's a lot of – I've spoke to him briefly. haven't really had the opportunity to really talk to him like I, like I wish. I, I missed him in like Elsinore a couple times that I had an opportunity to sit down with him. But from what I've gathered and what I've heard – He's got that that it factor, that that Franmil Reyes factor that we talked about. The factor that he wants to be better than his his counterparts. He wants to be the best ever. He has that type of mentality, and that's what you want to see from a young pitcher. He's ace type of pitcher. He ha- he's an, it's it's hard to throw that label out there, but he has ace type of ability. He should be in the major leagues at some point in 2019, um, depending on whether or not they want to take it easy or not take it easy with him or not but his era and his numbers actually improved last season from being promoted from lake elsinore to san antonio so there's no reason to believe that he will not excel in el paso and be knocking on the door in in a matter of months i'm going to sit here i'm going to give you like a little like a minute break because i'm going to sit here and talk about my favorite person in this entire system and it's obviously a popular opinion Mackenzie Gore is amazing, and you just talked about, you know, the Fran Mo Reyes. Mackenzie Gore. Yeah, exactly. Fran Mo, Fran Mo Reyes, we just talked about his <laughs> his attitude, right? You know, how he is, uh-huh. how he attacks, you know, how he his mindset is. Mackenzie seems to have the same mindset. Like, from everything yes. that I've heard about him, he wants to be the best pitcher in this entire system and probably ever. We've finally gotten through the blister issues. That was a big thing for him. I think we all know that. Uh, with McKenzie, because when you have pitches with that much movement, if you're not do- if you don't have the right mechanics and you're not holding it correctly, like you're going to blister up. Now that he's gotten through that, you've already passed an obstacle like a guy like Rich Hill that will never do so. So that's one less obstacle that won't be in his way. You now have this ability with all of these pitches that he has, and Dave and I talk about it all the time. If you, I don't care if you throw a hundred, I don't care if you throw two hundred. If you don't have movement on it, eventually people are going to adjust to it, and they're going to get used to it, and they're going to start hammering it. Mackenzie Gore isn't going to have that problem because all of his fastballs and everything like that have movement, and that is going to be so deadly for him. And I think that's part of the reason that I think he's going to be so good when he finally gets up there and be this franchise's ace. Yeah, no, I I agree. The, The 
fastball velocity and movement on his pitches are pretty phenomenal. I mean, he can spot both his four-seamer and two-seamer exceptionally well. And then the mix of, of change-up and, and curve and slider, I mean, he's just – he's one of those players that has – has it all of it? I mean, there's the feels the like Grinky's coming up in, like as a as a prospect all over again with all of these pitches that he has and the spot on yeah. like the uh-huh. control. You know, fans were a little upset last season. Well, not I shouldn't say upset. They were a little uh, they were a little perturbed that he wasn't developing like they wanted. I guess they wanted to see those Chris Paddock type numbers from him. But you're talking about uh, a then 19 year old kid. First time away from 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 home, uh, a quiet kid, North North Carolina guy, trying to figure things out, working with the blister issues, trying to get through that mentality, trying to get through the the fact that baseball isn't coming as easy as he'd like, and and I think that he showed that he has the characteristics to become a better player and become a better pitcher from this. You know, we learn more in this game from failure. You learn more from from failure. You learn more from defeat. You learn more from the adversity that you have to to gain and, and to get better. And that's this 2018 season is just going to make him and propel him into to the next level. And he should start in, in Lake Elsinore, but at 20 years of age, with the Padres' uh, reputation of, of of moving up pitchers that are that are performing well, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him at Double A at some point in, in in 2019. And I know that you would be excited to see that yourself. You would you will get a long, very probably all caps text at just how I'm ex- how excited <laughs> I am. But you know, yeah. when we talked you talked about this game that teaches through failure. This is a game that if you fail seven out of ten times, I mean, you're yeah, you're a good you're hitter. Hall of Famer. Yeah, you're yeah. yeah you're a Hall of Famer. Like uh-huh. baseball is one of the few sports that you can you're allowed to fail. You know, yes. If you yes. if you're if you're a quarterback and you're only completing thirty percent of your passes, I hate to break it to you, but you're not a quarterback very long. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it it just keeps going. I mean, I mean basketballs haven't gotten to that point where you have to shoot more than forty percent, almost fifty percent from the field to even be able to play anymore. And yeah. baseball is very unique like that, and that's part of the reason that I love it so much is that you're allowed to fail. It's one of the few games in in all of sports that you're allowed to fail and it be okay. Yep, exactly. And it's about how you react to that failure, which makes you who you are. And and again, that's what mirrors life, really. Because if everything was positive in life, it, life wouldn't be very fun, wouldn't it? It would just be boring. So you have to have the, the negatives in order to have the positive. So uh, we just got to just chug along, right? What do we think the biggest obstacle for McKenzie is going to be coming up? Um, I think probably getting over the, the, the physical thing, his finger issue, uh, he we sp- spoke to him briefly uh, at the end of the season uh, when the Padres had a futures game out here in San Diego, and he indicated that he was uh, over it, but that he had a little bit of hesitation and kind of being able to go full strength and, and have a full productive season. So we'll have to see. Uh, an interesting thing about McKenzie, which I which I love, is that he and Luis Patino are really really good friends. Uh, Patino is English is absolutely amazing over the past year. He's and, so uh, young both, too. Did he is was he not like that when he got there? I mean, did he, apparently it sounds like he developed it really fast. Patino, yeah, no, he was uh, he's nineteen. Uh, the English came on really fast, like Fran Mill did. Uh, you know, the Padres offer in spring training offer English classes to a lot of the prospects. They offer uh, English transition courses, 
uh, you know, trying to get them accustomed to, to life in, 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 in the States. Uh, immediately, you know, Padres players will go to, to Indiana, Fort Wayne, which is kind of a culture shock to a lot of these young Dominican, Venezuelan type players. So they've done well in preparing them for that. But it's about mentality because, uh, you know, I'll talk to major leaguers that, that don't necessarily take that initiative to speak English. But at the same time, some of these prospects really take that to heart and really want to better themselves and want to further their communications. And, and it's about fear, I think, more than anything. I think Fran Mill and I have had this discussion a lot because uh, I'm pretty fluent in Spanish, but I need to practice a little more. So he and I kind of talk about that from time to time, and he tells me that I need to get over the fear. And it's the same thing with these Latin players. They need to get over the fear of making an incorrect word or incorrect statement. And no one's going to make fun of you. It's about the effort that you give, and, and it's about communication. And, and uh, it, I admire these Latin players that, that put forth that effort, and it's, uh, it's, speaks, it bodes well to their future in the game, if you ask me. Yeah, and you know, we just talked about you know that fear. I mean, Johan Cespedes still has that fear to this day. Like he mm-hmm. will refuse to speak to the English, speak English to the media, because I think that 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 is a big deal. I mean, you you have to understand that a lot of them have pride. I mean, they have pride, and, and yeah, they're, they're and I, I, you know, it's tough to judge, but you you just got to be not afraid to make the mistakes. Your 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 English is going to be broken. I mean that's just what it is. It's, it's not no, your first language. Like you, Yeah, exactly. You're you, so it's and again, I don't hold anything back from a player who doesn't take the initiative to speak English, but I, I do like that and I do think that it it tells me that they're taking their craft seriously. It tells me that they want to go beyond just being a ball player, that they want to better themselves in, in all around it, in, in every aspect of, of the game. Because if you can communicate with a, a white guy from from North Carolina and and be good friends like Gore and Patino are, that's awesome. I mean, when where what other way is a, is a guy from Venezuela, a teenager from Venezuela, going to meet a kid from from North Carolina and become good friends and, and grow up together? And that's 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 awesome. That's what baseball is about: bringing cultures together and and uh, and making this world a better place, right, Austin? Yes, sir. I mean, baseball <laughs> is how it's basically brought us together at this point. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. So, all right. So, we just talked about. We just talked about. We talked about a while ago. Probably it'll be probably another episode ago that uh, about the McKenzie, not the McKenzie Core trade, but the uh, the Francisco Mejia trade. Do you see something like that happening again with Kirby Yates this year that happened to Brad Hand last year? I know he doesn't have as much value, but he has the control that teams seem to want at this point. Yeah, Yates came on with his split finger last season, so a pitch that he kind of developed, and it's really took him to the next level. Uh, I don't think that he's going to have the value that, that Hand has. I think Yates is only under control for the next two seasons. Uh, Hand had three uh, when right. he was dealt, so there's definite and just being a left-handed, left-handed factor. Uh, I like Kirby Yates. I see the Padres potentially shopping him eventually because they have so many relief pitchers, so many potential closers. Uh, Andres Munoz, 20 years old, throws 102, 103 miles per hour. We haven't even talked about him. He should be up eventually. There's closers that are waiting in the wings for the Padres. You got Winjenter, you got Stock. You got Castillo, who who are capable of closing on, on the roster presently. So, I can see the team potentially shipping uh, Kirby Yates out for some more prospects or for someone who they deem as a viable piece for for what they're looking for. Um, it, it's tough to say. I, I, I don't know. I I think that 
relief pitching is at a value right now than it's than it's ever been. I mean, it, teams are realizing that if they can shorten a game in the sixth inning and, and put in two or three middle relievers, uh, setup men, if you will, and then move on to your closer, that, that's just a formula that's just dominating right now. They're you, playing you can't just come... playoff baseball in March now, in in April now. Yeah. Which yeah, it's a yeah. Fi- it's it's funny to me that nobody's ever thought of it because obviously I never thought of it myself, but now I mean you have guys that are trying to shorten the game even more like you have the Rays who they don't let starters face face a uh, face the lineup more than twice sometimes even once yeah. if it's somebody like Sergio Romo, it's kind of crazy how baseball is evolving and you have you have no choice but to evolve with it or otherwise you wind up like the San Francisco Giants caught in the past. Yeah, exactly. You, you, this is an ever-evolving sport, and it's an ever-adjusting sport. The front office is the same as, as a, you know, it's a microcosm of an actual at-bat. You need to adjust. You need to make uh, amendments to your approach, and, and the winning franchises do that. And right now, relief pitching is at a premium, like like we've discussed, and, and that seems to be the market that, that players are going with. I mean, you look at the Dodgers the last two seasons. If they had a better bullpen, they might have won a World <laughs> Series, but they – Instead, decided to go after Bats. certain players to, you know, it goes down to decision making, and it's hard to judge after the fact. But uh, I think that it's safe to say that relief pitching is definitely at a premium right now, and the Padres have an excess amount of it uh, from Yates to Stammen, who's at, actually had decent numbers, who's a, a viable uh, relief option to some of the younger players that, that are, that have crested the, 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 the major leagues in the last year. I mean, it, right before the rule five draft, they, uh, they dealt, uh, Rowan wick and, uh, Colton Brewer and, and got some pretty decent players in return for them. So AJ Powell is, is, is resourceful. He's, he has his, his eye on everything. And, and, uh, you have to commend him for the fact that they do, do their due diligence and they do leave every or no stone unturned. Yeah. I mean, if like, I kind of want to talk about this bullpen a little bit, just the fact that there is so many names. What is, what is the bullpen look like? Like if you had to structure it yourself, what would it look like in your opinion? Uh, as far as closing and, and, yeah, and everything yeah. right now, like you're six, seven, eight, nine guys. Like I, I think Yates the, closes, right? That's what I mean, y- obviously. Y- yeah, Yates Yates would be the closer for sure. I mean, he's he's established himself, like I say, with with the development of that split finger. He's really taken his game to the, ne- the next level. But then you got players like Jose Castillo, left-handed pitcher, twenty-three years old, ridiculous slider, uh, throws in the upper nineties, is more than capable of being a setup man. Uh, Stammen would also be considered a, a setup man as well. Uh, I would also throw Trey Winchester in that in that mix. Uh, 24 year old, six foot seven, throws in the upper 90s, uh, awesome arm, uh, much, much upside with him. Uh, Robert Stock is a converted catcher who, at the age of 29, came on last season and has, uh, again, triple digit fastball with a, a developing slider. Uh, you have Brad Wick, left handed pitcher in the upper 90s, uh, who's also capable of the bullpen. Uh, there's Beyond that, there's in the minors you have uh, Andres Munoz, who I talked about, um, continually gets clocked over 102 miles per hour, which you don't see very often. Uh, right-handed pitcher from Mexico, who's 20. Uh, Gerardo Reyes is another Mexican pitcher, 25 years old, uh, three-quarters delivery, 
hard thrower who was just added to the 40-man roster. Uh, you have Miguel Diaz, who was a Rule 5 pick a couple of seasons ago, who has uh, another top upper 90s fastball with phenomenal movement. This team has – their strength is the pitching. It's just that they're young. The When you talk about the Lauer, Lucchese's, the Knicks, the Kennedys, the Stroms, the Paddocks, the Quantrills, the Allen, I mean, those are all players that are 25 and under that we have yet to see their true ability. We've yet to see the upside. We've yet to see what they can do in the major league. So there's a lot of enigmas. There's a lot of questions, and, and it, it's exciting. It's exciting if you're a Padre fan because you don't know who's going to establish themselves and who's going to fall on their face? And that's pretty much what baseball is about, right? I mean, next year at this time, we could be talking about a whole different group of, of pitchers and not even mention three or four of the names that we, that we just went through. Yes, sir. And, I mean, there's only one more thing that we really have to talk about. I need you to pitch me Fred McGriff to the Hall of Fame. Oh, Fred McGriff to the Hall of Fame. Let's see. Consistency. Uh there's no steroid implications evolved with, with Mr. McGriff. You're looking at 19 years uh, with an OPS of 886, uh, 134 OPS plus, 377 on-base percentage, 493 home runs, just seven short of the magical 500 mark. Uh, he produced a 52.6 war in that time. Uh, I think what's most valuable to think about McGriff when you look at his war at 52.6 in 19 years isn't very impressive, but when you look at his defense, he had almost 18 points taken away from his defense. He wasn't a quality or a plus defender, so that took away from his offensive ability. Um, I heard a stat today. He was top five in OPS for seven straight years. I mean, th- those are numbers that are pretty phenomenal. Definitely, I mean, if Harold Baines can make it to the to the to the Hall of Fame, Fred McGriff definitely, definitely deserves consideration. What what a wild move, by the way, that Harold Baines yeah, that, in the Hall of Fame. I mean, I'm an old school guy. I'm, I'm 42 years old. I remember watching Baines play as a child and as a teenager. Good player. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I understand he had numbers taken away from strike seasons and stuff like that. They probably would have put him to 3,000 hits, but I, I don't know. It's a different generation. You know, everyone has their favorite players and, and their players that they like. So I, I, I don't necessarily want to say too much negativity about Harold Baines. It's it's probably not who I would have selected, but, you know, it, it is what it is. I can definitely see an argument for him. And that's what baseball is all about, right? I mean, it's it's about arguing numbers and arguing stats and argue, arguing players' worth. And, and uh, nobody's right and everybody's wrong. And, you know, it's it's hard seeing a guy that you idolized growing up. Mine's actually on the ballot right now, and it's not what everybody thinks it is. If they've listened to the show, they know exactly who it is. I love Let Mike. me guess. Let me guess. Let me Do guess. it. Michael Young. It is. I mean, yeah. I mean, think of <laughs> I think you and I have talked about this. We before. have. We have. Between, <laughs> between Michael and Chipper and Eckstein, like, guys, guys yeah. like that. I mean, I have a type, obviously, but... Uh, you know, it's hard seeing Michael Young on the ballot, and the only votes that he's probably going to get are Dallas Riders. But at the end yeah. of the day, people have to realize what he meant to the the Ranger organization. He's not a baseball Hall of Famer. He's not. And I understand that. And people need to understand that about their own players. 
I mean, mm-hmm. now if your favorite player is Barry Bonds or if it's Mark McGuire, like you have a completely different argument, and that's a whole nother podcast. Like, yeah, I, like that is that is a whole conversation. I mean, I grew up a Longhorn fan. You know, I talked about talked about uh, uh, Corey Canable today. You know, talking about Longhorns. Talked to Michael Cantu actually today this morning. Uh, you know, Roger Clemens probably the best Longhorn pitcher of all time. And that's a whole conversation to steroid issue. But McGriff didn't have those problems. And I agree no. 100%. I think Fred McGriff should be on the Hall of Fame. You know, I mean, I if I don't know if this is controversial. I think Fred McGriff should be on the Hall of Fame before Larry Walker is. Yeah, I can, I can agree with that. I, I, I wasn't a huge Walker fan myself. I mean, it is it is what it is. But I... It, it's it's that's what's the beauty of baseball is because you can make an argument, it's it, and and nobody's right. I mean, there's just no way to justify it. You can sit here till you're blue in the face. Only in rare ex- exceptions where a person is like a first ballot Hall of Famer. You look at Tony Gwynn; that's a first year Hall of Famer. It's uh, Gwynn, Rivera, yeah, I mean, Jeter, guys like that. Yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, I could even. Being a San Diego Padre fan, I could even see the argument as Hoffman not being a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I didn't understand. I can, I can, res- I can respect someone's opinion and, and understand what they're saying. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I can understand where they're where they're coming from. And and in the end, he became a Hall of Famer, and that's what the correct choice was in my estimation. But yeah, I, there was. I mean, there you could sit here and say without the longevity that there was t- at points in his career to where he's better than Rivera. Yeah, exactly. And I loved, and I loved it, watching Trevor. Obviously, being a Red Sox fan, there was nothing I hated more than hearing Inner Sandman coming out of the bullpen. But I mean, Trevor Hoffman's a guy that I didn't see the blowback. Uh, that I didn't agree with some of the blowback that it got. I thought he should get in. Just absolutely one hundred percent. My argument was always: if you put Rivera in first ballot, I think Trevor needs to go in first ballot because they walked hand in hand together most of their careers. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's tough. They they obviously play for totally different franchises in in totally different sides of of the country. So you can't compare the two to each other. But the numbers don't speak. I mean, we're getting into Hoffman talk here, but Hoffman was was pretty incredible. I mean, the guy had towards the tail so end of his many career pitches had a, too. Well, I mean, it, it was just fastball and changeup, and, and he was throwing ninety to ninety-one miles per hour towards the end of his career. But his changeup was seventy seventy-five miles per hour. It's the greatest it, changeup in baseball history, in my opinion. It is because it, 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 he had the ability it, to make it look like three different pitches at some points. Yeah, well, he, and he would talk about that. He would he would throw like a bad changeup, and then throw a good one right afterwards, and and just get the guys just turn into a just screw themselves into the ground and it's, it's just a thing of beauty. Yeah. I, I, I loved watching him pitch when, when batters knew the changeup was coming, they still couldn't hit it. And, the, and, and then he'd sneak a fastball by him too. And it, it's a, it's dart of pitching. And that's what is beautiful about it. You don't have to throw a hundred miles per hour. As long as you are locating your pitches and getting that batters out, that's, that's all that matters. And uh, you know, we just talked about one of the greatest changeups ever. Glavin's another one. I mean, these guys, yeah. nobody throws the ball the same way. There is there is a textbook form, and obviously I think Smoltz is the closest that we'll ever get to, like, textbook. But mm-hmm. nobody throws the ball the same way. Like, I, I enjoyed a big one for me, and I think he should be a Hall of Famer, and I think he's going to be his Doc Holliday. Like, Roy Halliday was the most 
if, if when I was growing up, I wanted a pitch like Roy Halladay. I don't know what it was. It was just, there was just something about how smooth it was, how great he was, how many pitches he did it with. But everybody has preferences, and nobody throws the ball the same. And it's amazing to me that we live in a we we watch a sport every single day that we can go from guys like Paul Molitor to guys like Ricky Weeks in their in their you know in their routines and their stances. I mean, Ricky slings the bat around like Gary Sheffield, probably even more so. And you have Molitor, who I don't I don't think that if you like had a video of him, the only way you would know is if people were moving around him. Yeah, it's it's just amazing to me that we live in a sport that has so many different things that can happen and so many different stances, so many different pitches even. I mean, yeah. nobody throws a fastball the same way, if we're being honest. Like, everybody has a different degree of movement, you know? Well, you, th- th- now now the launch angle uh, thing is so huge right now with everyone trying to, to under uh, you know uppercut the ball and drive the ball. The, the four-seam fastball is going to be the pitch of the next generation, the next couple of seasons. You just watch. P- players are going to be uh, pitchers in particular are going to be just learning that pitch because you can't get under a forcing fastball, a high rising fastball. And, and, and that's contradi- contradictory to what we would learn before. Like don't pitch up in the zone. A player is going to, going to take you deep. But if everyone's trying to uppercut the or uppercut the ball, you can't do it on a high fastball. So, and again, that goes back to changing and the, and the, and the evolution of the game. I mean, splitters used to be such a huge popularity, popular thing. And now you don't see very many people throwing them and, it changes and and it's it's ever evolving and it's ever growing and it's about making these changes and that's why it, it's kind of scary giving out a eight to ten year contract to a player who can be kind of stubborn and not necessarily want to change their approach at the plate or the way they attack hitters. So I, I can definitely understand the trepidation in, in in getting too invested in some of these guys long term. It's got to be the right type of person, right? But you're you're starting to see. You're starting to see people like the older guys. They're not getting the contracts that they used to. Mm-mm. Like, Mm-mm. I mean, you're, they're the 26 and 27 year olds and 28 year olds are getting it. You're not going to see like I, I would be very surprised if Dallas Keuchel winds up with longer than a, than a three year deal. You just you don't yeah. see it anymore. And no, it's he, getting younger. What what drives me crazy is the player opt outs that that Scott Boris and and his. He's his, the best at his job, unfortunately. Oh, my God. These, these player opt-outs just drive me insane because it, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, baseball already has guaranteed contracts. They have the best union in, in all the land. They're, you look at football and, and the injustices that they have to go through, and, and it just drives me wild that you're going to sign a player to a, a 10-year contract, and then after three years they can opt out because they want more money. It's... It, it, like where where's the where's the ten year deal for a team where they can opt out after three? What can come when the Padres opt out after Eric Hosmer after last season? I mean, I know that that's that's not the the system that we have in front of us, and it's probably not fair to the players. But it just it drives me wild that these opt outs that they have. Well, and now we're talking about these Harper contracts. There's talk that this Harper that a Harper contract could have three or four player opt outs. Yeah, that's like, what I'm hearing. Yeah, after two years or three years, just so that make sure that he's making. 40 million or 50 making million or sure whatever. That he's the, making the market is what it's yeah. is what that's for. It, essentially that's what it is. And it's, it, it's crazy. It, it's, it, I, I don't know. It, and you know, what sucks is, is that when that player does start to decline, which this was my fear, I'm the biggest David price, like protector 
in the world, honestly. Like, I will protect David Price to my grave. I know he's an egotistical maniac. I know this, that. I was very scared that if, when the David Price contract was signed, that if he declined, you know, he was going to accept his accept his opt-in and just hate Boston for the rest of his career and make the Red Sox pay him $30 million for the rest of his career. Luckily, he's turned the, he's turned the tide a little bit. And the only person that he can't seem to beat is, you know, the only team that seems that we really hate in the New York Yankees. But he can beat everybody else. So it's just fine. And, you know, the contract looks pretty good right now. (laughs) Baseball's funny like that. Players' values go up and down. Their their motivation. Like daily, honestly. Yeah, seriously. It, it yeah, it's it's like the weather in, in in the Midwest. Just wait long, wait long enough, and it'll change. And it's 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 there's no right answer. There's no wrong answer. Uh, that's why we love the sport, right? I mean, there's it's just it's hard to configure a winning team, and the chemistry aspect is something that there's no analytical stat for. Yeah, and it's it's crazy because you know you think about the past and. There, there was a point to where, you know, people thought Delman Young was like the next big thing, you know? Yeah. And then a year or two later, it's like Delman Young ca- couldn't get a job anywhere. Ian Kinsler, there was, yeah. there was stretches in his career where he's the best second baseman in baseball. Like, you know, it was him, Robinson Cano, guys like that. And now he's taken a deal with the Padres to, you know, fill a spot. You know, it's it's just crazy to me, just the fluctuation in value. And I think that's why stats are thriving so much is because of the diversity and how much how different things are on a daily basis in baseball to where you have football, where you play once a week. Yeah, exactly. It's the the grind of the of the season is is wearing on on players. And I don't think a lot of the fans quite understand that, that that. it's just a continuous grind on them. There's no family time. There's no time for themselves. It's, it, it's a job. It really is a job. It might be something that they're overpaid at and that they make a, a comfortable living at, but it's it's a grind, and it can be tough on some of them. And the mental part of the game is definitely uh, trying for some players. That's the other thing, though. It's like, you know, everybody's talking about Harper and Machado. They're like, oh, is he worth $35 million? The question is, the answer is nobody's worth $35 million. Like yeah. nobody's nobody is worth what they're getting paid to play a game. It's you just have to understand the fact that they're gonna get what they're gonna get. It's not your money, and just step out of the way. <laughs> yeah, it'll blow your mind if you think about it. When you when you think about Zach Granke and and Clayton Kershaw next year making a million dollars per start, it'll blow your mind. <laughs> they make more I mean, in a contracts than like yeah than one, a small town will in their entire exactly, lives. Exactly, and one. Two and a half, three hour game where they pitch it, they're making more than most Americans will ever make in their whole lifetime. So it's 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 kind of crazy, but that's just the economics of the sport and and what it is. So we just try to to figure it out, which is pretty much uh, impossible. Uh, kind of give me a top five, and this is how we'll end it: the top five people that you're most uh, excited to see in the system this year. Top five, uh, young players, minor league players. Uh, I think Tatis would have to be number one uh, just to see what he's capable to do in a hitting ballpark like El Paso. Uh, I would expect to see him 
just perform like crazy in, in the PCL, which is a notorious hitters league. Uh, I'm excited to see your boy Mackenzie Gore in a healthy 2019 and see what uh, kind of uh, numbers that he can put up. Uh, there's a couple of minor leaguers uh, that aren't talked about very often. Uh, Owen Miller is one who was a, a draft pick last season uh, who really just excelled. By the end of the year, he was playing in double uh, A for the playoffs for the missions. And he started in Arizona in, in, uh, in the extended uh, young infielder can play short third, first, second, uh, line drive type hitter, but I've talked to him a couple times. He's another player who has that advanced it factor who just wants to be better, wants to get better. Um, Tucapito Marcano is a fun name and someone who's really come on, uh, 18 year old infielder shortstop, uh, is probably start the season in Fort Wayne, but will be exciting to see if whether, whether or not he can keep up the momentum that he had. Uh, Tirso Ornelas is someone that I'm also very excited, uh, Played last season at Fort Wayne, was a little bit injured. Uh, he's 18, will be 19 once the season starts, but uh, left-handed Mexican player, outfielder, exceptional power, plus bat, pretty swing. Uh, I could just go on and on. Uh, Siri Ruiz is another one I'm excited about. Hudson Potts another one. Uh, Buddy Reed in in Double uh, A with Amarillo is also exciting to see what he can do. The, the system is 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 stacked and you can pretty much look at any team and find something uh, exciting to watch uh, about anybody. I mean, there's a lot of young players on this team. It's a, it's a good time to be a Padre fan as long as you can remain patient uh, through this 2019 season.